Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Ref6 Weekly. Uh, today, I'm joined by my co-host, as always, John. Uh, this week, returning to the pod is Red Egan. Red, do you want to just say hi? Yeah, hello. Uh, good to be back. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed doing the last one, so glad to get the invite back on to do this one again. Do you want to remind everyone where you're from? And, and yeah, so go on. Uh, Sussex referee, uh, level five. Um, been refereeing now for about seven years, so hoping the promotion scheme kind of goes well, but as I'm sure that's a topic of all referees waiting for the big decision to come out. But yeah, no, looking forward to it. Brilliant. And, and we're also joined for, for the first time by Harris, all the way from Dubai. Harris, you want to just give, give the listeners a little bit of an overview of you? Sure. Um, excited to be on the first time. Um, I live and referee in the US um, and I'm a regional referee. I've been refereeing for the last uh, 12 years. Um, I think regional in, in at least the English speak is approximately level five, somewhere around about there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, looking forward to um, being on the podcast with you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining. Um, oh yeah, and another quick, another quick plug is I've also um, I also run a referee store called the Top Ref. So if anyone's looking for referee equipment, feel free to give me a shout. Definitely check it out. Thank you. So okay, so we've got a few uh, different incidents to talk about um, from the weekend's game. So the major one was actually on Monday evening, Liverpool against Wolves. Um, was it Molyneux or Anfield? It was a Molyneux, right? Molyneux, yeah. Because Liverpool won, right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, Anfield, they don't win right now. Okay. Um, so so uh, the incident happened in the late, uh, in, in added time at the end of the game, where whereby an attack happened. Salah was on the ball, um, looked like he was in an offside position. But because of VAR, you know, the assistant referees have been told to keep the flag down. And uh, can continue to play and let 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 uh, let the 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 conclusion of that attack uh, happen before flagging. And what happened was Connor Cody, in his attempt to get back and defend the attack, uh, collided with his goalkeeper Rui Patricio, uh, which led to Rui Patricio being down for a long time and and have to leave the field under the concussion sub protocol. So. What, what's going to happen with this? Because this is the second major kind of incident that's happened. And I'm referring back to Van Dyke in the, in the, um, the derby. Um, you know, this, this is obviously a dangerous thing. At our level, I don't know, Harris, what, what, what you do in the US, but, but at our level, you know, one of the first things we tell our assistants or we get told by our, by our referees is if there's if there's a likelihood to be a, a collision with the goalkeeper and attacker, that's the only time I'd really like an early flag from you as an assistant referee. Is that something similar you'd hear? Exactly. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so with, with what's happening with VAR, you know, what, what can happen, what can change? Do you have any ideas, John, about like what, what your thoughts are on around this incident and what, how could IFAB change this in the future? Um, it's been a question that's been on a lot of people's sort of, topics for a while now with this whole late, late, late thing. And I know a lot of the pundits have got behind someone's going to get hurt, someone's going to get hurt. And now this is probably, I feel like the Van Dyke scenario is a slightly different incident. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Pickford went in big and got it wrong, whereas this one is a tight offside. So, um, yeah, I feel like they've taken a lot of the power away from the assistants that have, like when we spoke to the uh, was it Lee, the um, sports scientist or sports psychologist? He was saying that they get like 90% of it right anyway. 
Mm-hmm. So I think we're taking that away from them. So I feel like if it's blatantly offside and they know it's offside, they should flag it. Whereas the tight ones for IFAB would be like, yeah, okay, let that play. We'll give the benefit of the doubt to attack and then pull it back if need be. Yeah. Because I know Wenger's talking about changing it and saying if any part of the attacker is in line with the defender, he's now onside and they're looking to trial that. So therefore, we're giving more back to benefit of the doubt to the attacker. So. Harris, do you want to come in here and think, talk about what your thoughts are on, around it? Yeah, I, I remember watching this incident and um, it, seemed, it seemed relatively tight. Like I think when you're in the moment as an assistant referee watching the situation, um, you see sometimes, uh, especially if it's not a quick crossover, sometimes it feels like the attacker hangs, right? Like just because of the speed we watch the game at, right? Um, being able to make that decision, you see them like just step offside, you've got that like second where you're like evaluating and sometimes it feels like forever. Um, and then the kick happens and then, you know, like it's forever for a second and then it's like all done in like another half second, right? Um, so like, I, I think we saw from that, that, that specific scenario that like the assistant had flagged it appropriately, um, which like obviously means like they knew it was offside, they're following the protocols to see what, what the eventual outcome is. And it's really interesting because we see the scenario where um, the goal for IFAB is to push referee accuracy on like offside decisions from uh, let's say like 99%, whatever it might be and get that extra like percentage points. Yeah. Um, but when, then we add that risk in, right? Which is exactly what we're talking about right now. It's, it's the injuries. Um, and then there's the second part, which is actually, um, I think this is kind of the tough part, part for players is like the emotional anxiety you go through of knowing whether your goal was a real goal or whether it was not, because now everyone's wondering, was that offside, right? Because yeah. anything tight just gets let go and then gets checked after. So um, it's a mixed bag for sure for players. Um, it's, I think the sacrifice is uh, that players' emotional psychology and potential safety in this one scenario and, for, you know, and the risk we're taking or what we want as a payout is um, more goals, right? For the game or, or better accuracy. So um, it's an interesting decision. I, I you you mentioned a lot there, and I think the I think the add the addition of lines onto the replay after the game is basically saying, look, we are admitting humans can't get this right because we need to draw lines on the pitch. Whereas actually, I think most people would prefer let's take that type of technology out and just look at the video replay, and if the the system VAR can look at it and be like that's offside, that's not offside, or I can't tell, then it has to stay with the on-field decision or, you know what I mean? So, the, you know, this forensic, because there's been talk about, like John mentioned about Wenger saying, well, let's just change it so that any part of the attacker's onside, he stays onside. But it's the same problem, just slightly, it's the other way around, right? And this, this millimeter lines whereby people are saying, hey, let's give it 10 millimeters or 10 centimeters leniency. You're still going to get the problem. What happens if it's 11 centimeters? Everyone's going to be like, oh, no, it's only one centimeter upside. So I think let's remove the lines. Let's remove the, the you know, that over forensic analysis. Let's quickly watch back the, is it possibly an offside or not? But if you can't tell then you stay with whatever was the on-field decision. Red, do you have any other any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there was lots of uh, good points in there. And I think the fact is, uh, the assistant referees are very good at their job. They've been training. They do so much work on crossovers. 
um, during the during the off season, and they do so much hard work on it that they know deep down when it is offside. And I think the frustration, especially for fans watching on, their team scores and the flag goes up, or there's an attack and they go play, 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 and then the flag goes up. It's just like you could have stopped that about five seconds up, five seconds earlier. And I think the frustration is that everyone knows it's an offside, and I think assistant referees, especially on the Premier League, have been told to keep it down. I think there's got to be a discretion to when it is so obvious and it's clear. I understand why they keep it down and I think it's perfectly acceptable to keep it down just so there's an appropriate restart if the ball goes in the back of the net. But I think if it is clear daylight, then they do need to get that offside flag up. In this instance, the Wolves one, it was so tight where you had to kind of look at it again and I can understand that. There's going to be players' contact anyway. So again, it's really unfortunate the head injury did happen, but I don't think there was much opportunity to stop that collision happening. Interesting. I think I'm, I'm thinking back now. I, will, I remember Sheffield United against Newcastle last season and there was an offside flag very close to the, uh, the halfway line that the assistant flagged for, but it was uh, the ball had been knocked on by Carroll to Shelby and Shelby basically had a 40-yard run on his own towards the goal. Maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was 30 yards. Um, the assistant raised his flag, but the uh, referee had actually play, let, let it play on Shelby tucks the ball away and it turns out it was a goal. And now me as a Newcastle fan, now I'm like, I'm in two minds because all of a sudden that's actually the reason why VAR is there. You know, the, the official made a, an incorrect call on that decision and, and it worked. But yeah, I think there's a balance. I think IFAB need to look at it. I think they will be looking at it. I have no idea what the solution is. Um, there is talk about some extra, I talk about the, Let's remove the forensic analysis of offside, but there is some talk about um, even more technology being used to, uh, I think they call it the semi-automated offside decision system that's being used. I haven't got much details of it just yet, but it's something to, to keep an eye out for because it's definitely a bit in the work. So super interesting. Should we move on to the Arsenal um, Spurs game, the big North London derby? John, do you want to talk us through the different incidents? Um, yeah, so the big one, obviously, there's two big ones in there. There's Lamella being sent off to for double yellow, um, where the second one is probably the most contentious because his hand is raised to his face. So is it a red? Um, and the second one is the penalty where Lacazette shanks it and then Davison Sanchez comes in with a tackle, obviously, and then flips player. And then... Um, is obviously a penalty from that. Um, so, yeah, eager to discuss them. But the interesting thing is Lamella, before the Spurs goal, was being a bit hot-headed anyway. So, uh, I was watching it with my dad and we both agreed that Lamella was going to be sent off at some point. So, it'd be interesting to see your guys' takes on like dealing with a hot-headed player. Because, yeah. especially in a derby, like what, what do you guys do? And like dealing with that early, really. Yeah, so let's talk about the incident and we can talk about, we can answer that one. So, Red, do you want to talk about the the second yellow card that uh, Lamella received? It was Michael Oliver was referee, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, Michael Oliver's in the middle. Um, I do think he did get the right decision on the day. Again, you could tell he was annoyed um, throughout the match itself. I was watching it as well and he was getting wound up, getting wound up, especially, um, especially again, you're chasing the game. He's already scored a goal. He wants his team to do better and he's just got a yellow card before that as well. And I think, when a player's just got a yellow card as well, they're going to be still thinking in the right. And I don't think he was too happy with the yellow card, which doesn't surprise me with Lamella, uh, to be honest. But again, he wasn't too happy. Again, you could potentially manage that. Mike Oliver's a very, very good referee. And 
I don't know opportunity-wise whether there was much opportunity to imagine. Little conversations, use your captain. Um, again, if you watch the incident, going back to the second yellow card, again, he's moved his arm up to the player's face. Again, I, I, I don't really see much complaints with the second yellow cards there. Again, Lamella, not many Spurs players were there defending him. He was almost in bemusement as to what's happened, trying to be like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But you knew deep down that Kieran T was near him. He's tried to move him away. And you don't need to move him away up that high, do you? you again, he's moved up there to try to get a little something on him. And I think it was the correct outcome in the end. But as you can say, we'll move on to it just in a second about hot-headed players. Lamella is certainly one of them before the game. I know it's not good to target players, like you say, Salah with his diet, with the way he goes down the box. But Lamella is certainly someone that if he gets wound up, he can certainly be a hothead, as you, as you would say. Yeah, let's, we'll definitely come back to that. But Harris, in terms of that incident, is there a, um, a difference of opinion from a, an American official there? Is that a yellow card or is it a straight red? Intrigued. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think there's any different school of thought there. I think red kind of hit it um, on the dot, essentially, where um, the height that Lamela's hand was wasn't acceptable. Um, at chest height, I think that's something we all expect in uh, the game of football. Um, obviously, players want to make space, uh, make sure that they they try to protect the ball. Um, but obviously, once it comes to the face height, um, that's that's where things become a little bit more dicey. Um, I think the distinction uh, which you kind of touched upon, which is like between yellow and red, right? Red becomes more interesting when it could be a, a closed fist or a, an elbow cocked back, um, something with more force. Um, and in this particular case, it was just more of using it as a, I think like playing back to use it as a tool essentially rather than a weapon. Yeah. Um, so 100% agree with, with what he had said. Cool. All right, so hot-headed players. So is it our role as officials to, to prevent, like John, you, you said, you and your dad predicted there was gonna be a red card. You could just tell in the, the demeanor of the player. So is it our role to try and prevent that? Um, should you? Should you not? Is it, you know, are, are we there to to try and um, predict the future and try and stop it? Or are we there just to react to what happens and what's seen in front of us? So uh, I'm going to go back to Harris and see what see what your thoughts are on that. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I think um, absolutely uh, the, 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 the interesting thing here uh, in in our officiating or as referees that we should be looking out for is, is trying to be as proactive as possible. And in order to be proactive, you need to understand um, what's going on in the game, why players are behaving a certain way. Um, some of them might be player tendencies. Um, someone might be short tempered as an example. Those are things that we can figure out having maybe encountered the teams before, watched them before or hearing from other uh, match officials. Um, and I think those are things we can kind of take into our toolkit to understand what maybe to expect from a player, but not necessarily to prejudge because every day is, is a new game, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not there to make like a hasty decision, but it's there to understand potentially um, what, uh, what tools you, you're going to have to use to make sure that you're going to have the best match control on the day um, with those various incidents. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think uh, uh, John touched on it and Red touched on it pretty well that... Um, Essentially, uh, Michael Oliver had been a little bit wound up. Um, I didn't watch the full game, but you can almost sense from the atmosphere that uh, patience had run out and there was no more management to give yeah. um, without the match, match's credibility being um, unquestioned. 
Yeah, no, cool. John, in terms of, like you said, you watched the whole game. I only saw the highlights. Like, how many times did Michael Oliver interact with Lamella in, in any form? Obviously, he did on the first yellow. But was there any kind of stepped approach that you saw? Yeah, so in the first half, just before he scored, he was doing a few off, like, late nudges on Arsenal players. And, you know, you could see him chatting to him there and trying to calm him down. And then, like you say, you run out of string, to be honest. And I know this sounds selfish, but in my position, like the last thing I want to deal with is a hot-headed player. So you are, it is your responsibility because it's your match. And if you let them run with it, then it, you know, it gets out of hand. So it's your responsibility for your match control to get on top of it. But it's yeah. not your responsibility to be like the manager. He's hot-headed, like deal with him. You deal with him in your own way. And then if he then runs out of rope like Lamella, has done and he sort of like hung himself really because mm -hmm. you've, you've given him the opportunity and if he continues to be it then you've sort of set your stall out a bit like Michael Oliver did he spoke to him quietly gave him a yellow and he then clearly decided that he wasn't going to calm down and you know eventually got dismissed for it It's interesting because I think in my situation I would be looking maybe at half time or at half time when I'm running off the pitch depending on the play, the way I can interact with the player. If he's too hot-headed, he won't even talk to me. I won't talk to him, but I'll maybe say to the captain, I'll be a quiet word with the captain and say, look, he's getting on my nerves. He's very close to a yellow or even a second yellow, whatever. Um, and I would be trying, and if it's in the second half, or it, I would be trying to run past the captain and give the captain the, the, the warning. Because then all of a sudden, when that second yellow comes out, I could, I've got someone I can go to. I could say, Captain, I gave you the opportunity. You didn't bring him down. So I've had to resort to this. So that would be my tip. That's how I personally would manage. I, I like to try and prevent it if I can possibly can. Um, but I also like the idea of using the tools that are there, my tools, but also the captains there, maybe even the manager. I wouldn't do it publicly during the game, talk to the manager. It would be at a half time if, if I'd noticed an issue. But Red, did you do you have any other tools or tips that you would you would uh, or how do you approach a hot-headed player that you can see from the start he's just having a bad day? Well, I think hot-headed players comes from a lot of things. So it could be the scoreline, it could be the time of the game, it could be how the teams playing. Um, so again, you've got to kind of go as the game goes on. You kind of got to know when players are getting more wound up, and it could just mean they missed the shot, they've had a bad pass played to them, voices are raised, and the gaffer's giving them a hard time. And again, you've just got to be aware of these things. So potentially, if you're giving him that first caution, you're with him, pull the captain over. And again, just take your time with the caution. Make sure they're not going away angry. Like some players will want to go, yeah, I know, I know, and want to kind of dart off and stuff like that. But no, take the time to get them in there, get to a level and let them cool down while you're, as you're talking to them. Because if you let them go off hot-headed, one minute later, ball comes to them, dodgy touch, and the next thing you know, they're taking someone out. And then you've got nowhere to go because you haven't been able to calm him down. So I think, again, just taking your time with that person and I think just discussions with the captain because, as you said, we don't need to speak to the gaffer because the gaffer will know if he wants to take him off. He'll know and take him off. But your captain knows the team better than what you do. You know what's going to potentially calm them down as best as possible rather than you going over and talking directly to him. Give the ownership to the captain. He's looking after his team on the day and um, see if he can manage him. Otherwise, as you say, John, if the rope runs out, then unfortunately you're going to have to give the second caution or potentially even further. Brilliant. I'm going to, John, you mentioned the Lacazette penalty. So I just want to quickly go around roulette, round the table and just see 
if what, what everyone's thoughts are, because I want to move on to what we've seen in Bulgaria. Um, so let, let's just quickly talk about the, the penalty. Uh, John, do you want to describe it one more time? Yeah, so the ball comes over the top to Lacazette, who tries to take it on the volley. Um, Davison Sanchez is quite far behind him and sort of like throws his body at it. Um, and before there's any contact, it's clear to see that Lacazette has shanked it and it's gone. Oh, so if the goal's, if he's facing the goal, it's gone left, basically, away um, with no contact whatsoever. And then obviously Sanchez has then caught him after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the referee's given a penalty uh, for the contact. Cool. Red? I think it's a penalty. Yeah, I've, I've seen lots of debates on social media, but I I thought Penn straight away. I've seen lots of people have their opinions. Like, yes, he shanked it, but I think anywhere else on the pitch is going to be a foul. So, because it's in the box, it doesn't really make a difference to me. I was just going to ask that. Anywhere else on the pitch, is it a foul? Yep. If it is, then yep. it's a Harris, same? Or are you going to be controversial? Yeah, same, I think. <laughs> no, no, same. Um, I, I think like everything in the, the IFAB uh, laws of the game um, in terms of considerations is supported. Um, I think the one thing that um, kind of potentially might be arcing people and why people say no pen is um, they feel the, uh, like, I think this is more of a fan uh, feeling that, you know, the opportunity or the shot was lost and, you know, that was kind of the end of it in their heads. It's not necessarily a consideration in the laws of the game or the way we officiate. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's kind of the disappointment that people might be facing in saying that, you know, maybe that wasn't a pen um, and it's just contact, it's just heavy contact. But the reality is like, at the same time, we shouldn't be making excuses for players, right? They, they're responsible for their actions. Um, and the, the defender was well aware of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we used to see the opposite. We used to see a chance happen and defenders just go in at that player and it would be given as a goal kick or a corner because, you know, the assumption is, is yeah, the, the shot has been made. And I don't know what's triggered a change because I don't think there's been any real laws, law changes around this. I just think this maybe the way FIFA or UEFA or other governing bodies have just tried to clamp down and say, well, no, that is a foul. It is a foul. Just because the shot's been taken doesn't mean... Um, that that shouldn't be a free kick or a penalty. Johnny, are you pen? Easy pen or? Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of fan opinion about being it harsh and unlucky because, like you say, they squandered the shot and Lacazette has now scored from a squandered shot. But yeah, he's not. Sanchez isn't in control of himself when he's hit yeah. Lacazette. So it's as harsh as you like to say. Like Red said as well, anywhere on the pitch, that's still a foul. Cool. All right. So, John, do you want to describe what, what we saw in Bulgaria? Yeah, so in Bulgaria, um, I don't know if you two have seen it, but it came up on Sky uh, Sports. Uh, but a referee uh, got chased off the pitch by the players and um, sort of like team officials as well. And then obviously this caused the game to be abandoned. Um, so it's not really ideal. I think it's the fourth tier of Bulgaria as well. So still, yeah. I don't know what the standard lights in Bulgaria, but you'd think in the fourth tier, it's still fairly high standard of their national football. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no fans around. It wasn't like in a big stadium. It still seemed like a in the UK, probably like a, a county league, maybe, you know, just below that type level. But um, horrible scenes, really quite disgusting. Uh, a player, you know, obviously from, from from when the video started, it looks like there was a disagreement with a, with, with a player. The player's not happy about it. He gets a yellow card. 
a swing from one player towards the referee, then um, another player confronting the referee, actually slapping the yellow card basically out of his hand and then chasing and just just kind of escalates horrendously. And I think from the reports, uh, the referee managed to get out pretty safely, fingers crossed. But, um, you know, it's not, not, not nice scenes. Um, this is happening around the world at different levels. You know, it seems to become more frequently. I feel like more players now are a little bit more pent up from being locked it, locked down and want to take their aggression out in games. Unfortunately, some, some, some cases are happening towards referees. So has anything like this ever happened to you? Have you ever felt threatened in a game? Um, and if so, how did you deal with it? Or have you been lucky enough not to have experienced this in, in any format? So, Red, do you want to... You, you, I feel like you're, you're thinking back a little bit to something there. I'll, I'll, I'll just... This is my natural face, to be honest, my natural confused <laughs> face. Um, but no, um, I did watch it, yeah, it come up on my uh, Facebook, and it was pretty dramatic, really. Like, I don't know what's happened in the game to get these people so riled up. I mean... Bulgarian fans, um, I mean, they've got a reputation of being, especially the England game, you think back last year, they've certainly made an opinion of themselves. Um, and I don't know why they've got so under the referee. I think when you play football, you've just got to respect the referees, the man in power, and that's his decision. Yes, if you want to speak to them and have a discussion, then that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, you've got to just respect that. I understand that some referees might come across potentially arrogant in some decisions but again you've got you've just got to just talk to them like a normal person and as long as the referee is able to talk back in a sensible way then that can be done especially but for me personally I've not had anything bad happen to me in a sense you've had you've had your mass cons you've had your big decisions and you potentially had the odd word thrown around and maybe the odd you know, I've had to give maybe the scent card or something but no nothing major which I've touched words will touch will touch wood there that nothing else can happen but again if it was that situation I think if to abandon a match I think that's pretty severe I know I've, I've heard of stories where referees have had to pretty much go no game abandoned and go home but it shouldn't be happening really especially football I think players should just own up and just respect that but Obviously, in this one, it's just got a bit uh, hot-headed people and chasing them out the grounds, which is not good. Harris, you mentioned that you, you've officiated in three different countries, so you've seen three different cultures of football or soccer. Any? Have you witnessed anything like this, or had any form of kind of confrontation in your games that you would you would class as above the the kind of call of duty of a referee? I guess. Um. There have been a couple of times I'm unsure after a send-off uh, what, how the player's reaction is going to be, especially as they approach. Um, I think I've always, um, as I've like helped guide other referees with tips, um, is make sure there's distance between you and the player that if you're going to show uh, a red card, because um, instinctively it is an aggressive action, like the way people receive it when a red card is shown. So if you're within reaching distance, it's not the, yeah. not the place to be. Um, so I, I think the, the one memory that comes to mind is I, I witnessed an assault about eight years ago um, and it was uh, close to basically a physical charge. So a player basically charged and bumped the referee. Mm -hmm. um, and in that scenario, uh, a lot of players, basically, I think the one good thing is that the opposing players, um, it seems to be like a common trend in, in this Bulgarian video and the, the scenario that um, I had, um, I was not officiating the match, I was just a spectator, but I knew the referee. Um, so the referee got bumped, opposing players came in to like help protect and make sure that it didn't escalate. Um, and I think there's an interesting notion here is like when an assault happens in a game, 
it's important to understand that it's hard to continue to officiate objectively or without your objectivity being called into question because you know now if there's a pen later on in the game and you decide not to abandon it they might be able to say oh well it's because one of our players actually hit you and you sent them off that maybe that's why you gave the pen and like now there's a reason in it right um, so it's important there not to make excuses necessarily to also play the game if there is a serious enough assault offense like I'm thinking like recreational lower level competitive for sure because that's where we see most of these things happen. Yeah. Um, so that that was a big takeaway that like I, I don't think I would have processed had I not seen it and kind of gone through the motions. Yeah, I think for me like any form where you where you would define something as physical assault is a straight abandonment of of a match in my opinion. Like if you if you're crossing it as that whereas like if you're saying okay well you know the guy put his hand on my shoulder or something like that you, you can get away with it. like that's not you know but if you're classing it you feel threatened or assaulted then that's a straight abandonment in my eyes john have you anything ever happened to you yeah i've been quite um unlucky really i remember doing a i think it was my first year at level four and i did a derby game i know a lot of the boys that listen to this will know the game um and i sent off two players from one team and one from another and it didn't go down too well and I had a fan or who was a player who wasn't in the squad jump over the fence and come at me and um, yeah like Harris said like, especially I think I was eight, 19 at the time maybe 20 like you don't want to abandon the game because then you'll be like almost classed as sort of weak especially to the players telling you to step up and take control of the game so you're then in a mind of sort of like trying to step up and then in the tunnel afterwards I had the same guy coming at me again so I sort of hid in my changing room and I think what a lot of people forget is that we take it home as well like this Bulgarian referee is going to be on Facebook he's everywhere now I mean he's taken that with him and I got hammered on social media from managers from like everywhere like players forget about it and the reason they got sent off was for fighting anyway but people forget about that yeah like the players get over that quickly, but I have to take home now that I've been screamed and shouted at. You know, people have hammered me, name calling, threatened me. You know, I take that home and it's an evening kickoff and like I struggled to sleep that night. It took me a lot of time to talk to like my dad, my coach, or my mum. I had to take it home and deal with that. And I think that's the thing that people struggle to like bring into as a referee like. It's, we can't we don't drop things that easily and it's not like we go out there to make mistakes yeah so when that sort of reaction comes it hurts a lot and yeah we take it home but I don't think players think like that did you um did you call the game off then or you you carried it on no so I carried it on I had like 10 minutes to go and like I was getting shouted out from both benches like you know get a grip of this so I thought right I'll stick my chest out and like Take it's a breath a and one. breathe it's in. A one because it's a, a fan, effectively. He, yeah. he was a player of the team, but a fan coming on was crazy. It's a shame one of the one or both of the teams didn't try and you know get you back, you know, a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, I've I've had one incident fairly recently where, um, and I think I've talked about on the pod before, but I felt threatened after a game. I'd sent a player off. He came and asked for a um, a reason for the red card. And basically he said, well, it's me and you here now. What are you going to do? And I'm, you know, quickly ushered him towards the other team and started to speak louder so that they could realise, okay, there's there may be some form of uh, aggression here. So I, I very was, I'm pretty confident that the guy was going to hit me unless I 
kind of managed to move to a fairly neutral area. One of the um, charities in England called Ref Support, who support referees, are very much in favour of body cam. So allowing referees to wear cameras, almost like police do. Um, it's not something I'm a, a fan of. I think actually making uh, every game be recorded on the side has a lot more benefit because all of a sudden we get the, the replay of the game, we can watch analysis, but hopefully that could also be preventative too. But intrigued to hear your thoughts on like body cams. Would you wear them? Or um, would you, if they were allowed to be there, would you, would you wear them? Would you feel safer or not? Uh, I'll go. Um, yeah. I'll, uh, no, uh, I don't think it's very pointless. It's bulky. It's, you know, I'm going to be thinking more about this thing jumping on my chest. Than that, and I think you make a good point about um, the games being recorded, because if you put two and two together, you know, like there'll be my report, somebody else's report. The chances are like a, an assistant referee, especially at my level, and then you've got the footage. I think you can put enough together to, like, I'll know his name, I'll know his number, we'll know the time, and then we'll see what happened. I know it'll be a, a fairly far back, but enough to figure it out. I think one of the one of the ideas around it isn't that it will be easier to catch. It will be preventative. Like, do you think red that if you wore a body cam that players would think twice or or not? Well, I think they certainly think twice, but I don't think the idea is good in a sense. I think it might just be a bit of a, a use of power, and some referees might just go, "Oh, I've got my body cam on," and it might almost be a bit like players will be like, "Oh, come on now, like, like we're not like." Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, I think it just, I just don't think it's a good idea. I can see the reason behind filming from the sideline. I think your instant replay, uh, Sussex company, who film all the games, do a fantastic job of filming all the county games. And you can get, if an incident was to happen in a county game, unfortunately, they would be able to capture that. Maybe uh, words, it might be, I think they mentioned it might be their word against yours. But if you get enough people on witness reports on a day, you can support your argument. But for me, I don't think, I think players might be a bit weird. They might be a bit like, oh, what's the ref doing here? Why has he got, I think it'll almost be a bit too weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you almost, it's almost like the argument of Premier League referees should there, should there like be recorded what they say during the game. And I think that just needs to stay on the pitch. I don't think that's a good idea in a sense as well, because I think that'll open up a massive can of worms that's been hidden for so many years. And I just think that needs to be, what what's on the pitch kind of needs to be left in a sense. No, fair enough. Go on, Harris. Closing thoughts on body cams. Um, I think it's going to be, it's interesting also based on what it's going to be used for, right? Like, um, I think a lot of leagues have adopted like retroactive punishment for like, for example, simulation. Um, and if it comes to the question of we're using body cams for, you know, like more evidence in like, you know, disciplinary cases or for foul and abusive language directed at referees, um, that could change a lot of the dynamic. It becomes very interesting. Um, Generally speaking, I think it's it's becoming like, I feel like as referees, we're carrying more and more electronic equipment, right? Like it's getting heavier and heavier, like on your belt, you're going to have vanishing spray, comms yeah. kits, uh, electronic flags, um, watch, and then now a body cam, right? Like um, it's uh, definitely getting a bit uh, of a heavy workout. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm, I, I don't think I particularly advocate for it, but I think there's like a lot of considerations for sure. No, brilliant. Cool. Thanks so much for your time, um, everyone, for listening, for Red, for Harris, for joining, for John, for being a great co-host, as always. To the referee who was affected in Bulgaria, we, we wish you all the best. We 
we hope we hope you're well definitely reach out if you want to chat but i'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to this podcast but we'll, we'll see um for those listening thanks for your time and we'll be back next week